Hey, this is Pepin from We Need to Talk, and on this episode, we cover part two of personal finance. Now, if you didn't see the first one, you know, go check it out. But if not, maybe you'll still understand it, get something out of it. I mean, it's kind of by itself, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's play the intro. talking a little bit about savings versus uh, spending for the future. And I think the big thing about savings, and this is where my mind got changed a while back, whereas people have this savings, like they just have money and it's called savings. And I don't think that's the right approach to do it because savings for what? Oh, for the future. Okay, okay, but for what? Like what is that money doing exactly? And the way I see it now is that you're always saving for something. So you might have savings for emergencies so maybe you have like a thousand dollars in there and that's in case like say uh your car breaks down you can put that money towards that you might have long-term savings in case you go unemployed for six months you might have savings for your car insurance so if you do like six month premiums or maybe for your registration or you might have car savings or you might have savings for when you get pulled over and you get a ticket you know cover that because that will happen eventually if you speed if you're one of those people. So you can have savings for anything. Uh, maybe you're going on a vacation. Maybe you want to buy some new shoes. Maybe you need to buy a nice rug to bury a body in. Exactly, exactly. For the court costs, or for the lawyer costs. For, for the intimidation costs. Yeah. For the witnesses. There we go. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different things that you should be saving for, or that all these different categories you should be saving for, and you have to kind of like think about them a little bit. And... Instead of just throwing money into like a bin and saying, yeah, I'm saving, like have like intention behind it because then you will have more of a general idea of how your finances are and what you're saving for. And it also gives you goals because some people, I mean, it works for a lot of people. I mean, it's just nothing wrong with that. If you make a lot of money and your costs are just generally low because you keep them low because you don't need much, then, you know, you will be saved for whatever you need. So some people just have like hundred thousand dollars just sitting in their savings account and it's just because every week they put away like five hundred dollars or whatever and they, they that's just how they do it and they've saved up money over time anything happens they have it covered but people who are on tighter budgets being aware of what you're saving for makes it easier to prepare for the future so it, it's like car registration i think it's a big one uh i worked at a coffee shop and a lot of people didn't save for their car registration and that the time came up and they wouldn't have the money and they'd have to spend like that week's paycheck, the whole paycheck. And they're like, how am I going to pay for rent now? How am I going to pay for this? I can't do anything. I can't buy my cigarettes. I can't do this. Whereas if they put say $5 a week away for like uh, the, the year, they would have been able to pay for their car registration and not have that huge, like two week stressful period where they were just wanted to kill themselves. So, so, so I, I think that's where savings really help out and just being aware of one, not just what your costs are right now, but what your costs will be in the future. Like anything. it sounds boring. It sounds like a lot of planning and just being aware. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's but it's, I want to fr- frivolously throw money around. I mean, that's fun as well. And then you can save for that, right? So you can put a category called you know throw money frivolously around and put money towards that, and you can still experience that. But you're planning for it. So you're saying in order to frivolously throw money around, I have to be responsible about it. Uh, yeah. Well, you don't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. But 
if you're not responsible about it, then uh, the, just, the, 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 the underlying thing here is I, I want to be successful in and not struggle financially. So I, th- I think with that being the groundwork of anybody who's talking about personal finance, then we can make statements like that. Yes. Um, yes. Obviously, this is life. You can do anything. So I don't have to do anything. I could take my paycheck every week and flush it down the toilet. Like I could do that. But I, that's, I don't think that's where we sh- I don't think we should have to say that every time we're talking about something is, well, you know, technically, yes, you can do that. I think we should start with a baseline of we want to be financially successful and not struggle. And then we can make statements like, well, if I want to frivolously throw money around, I can. I just need to plan for it. Yeah. I need to set aside X amount of dollars that I can realistically just throw around. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So with, with that kind of there, yeah, more certainly, like I can give an example for myself. Uh, a little while back, we went to the strip club together and uh, we had some other people and I saved up for a couple months there. Uh, and I had like uh, $100 or $200 in $1 bills that I saved up. Uh, I mean, I got them like, I didn't save up $1 bills exactly, but you know what I'm saying. But uh, my plan was just to throw $1 bills around and kind of, you know, just give strippers money and stuff. And that's what I did. And I planned for that. I was responsible. It wasn't coming out of my rent payment. It wasn't coming out of uh, my, my food money. It's just money I had saved, planned for that. And as a result, I was able to just go, hey, yeah, there's like $5 right there. Man, big spender. I mean, she wasn't that hot. Well, that's fair. So I need to be responsible about being irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to be irresponsible, you know, set some money aside and say, this is my irresponsible money. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a lot of people do, which I think is a great tactic, is they will have money they budget to different things. So there's just so many different ways of doing budgeting, but they'll put certain money, money. So they have, like, say, two checking accounts. And in one checking account, they put how much money they need for all their bills for that month or for whatever. And then they have another checking account where they have, that's their spending money. So everything but the bills and maybe a little bit more is going into that spending money. And that spending money, they can spend however they want. It doesn't matter, but that's the spending money because they have their bills counted for. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, they see something they like, oh, I'm going to buy this, even if it's like, say, $500. If they have $500 and there's checking account there they're going to spend it and there's nothing wrong with that because they're accounting for everything they're being aware and that's how they're just living which is fine uh but just having like money in your checking account and then just like just spending it without being aware of your future costs that's that to me is it's it's going to get you into trouble it might not but it will eventually what if you do all of the math in your head so you don't like it's a lot of work to create all these different accounts and do all this math and be like well I gotta put this much in this account and this much in that. That's way too much work. What if I just keep track of it all in my head? And I'm like, well, I know I can. I need this much in a month total, so I know based on my income, I can, I'll have this much left over. So this is how much I can spend, give or take, and then I spend around that much. So if it works for you, that is a method that works. But the issue with that method for many people, and I'm not saying everyone, because certain people have that ability and they're very accurate with it. Like some people, they can uh, go on diets and just guesstimate how much calories they're eating mm-hmm. and they'll lose weight because they are they have that sense. Whereas other people, most people who do that, they will still like overeat like crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they think they're eating way less than they actually are. 
in the same kind of way, a lot of people who do math in the head like that, they will end up way overspending what they think and they'll end up short. Mm. Now other people, they can do that kind of math, but it's like when you don't keep track of what you're spending, you tend to spend, forget about purchases you made. I have this problem myself with uh, cash. So like what I was talking about earlier, I don't do well with cash. I do very well with credit cards and debit cards. I don't use debit cards though, but I don't very, I do very well with credit cards because I can see all the purchases I made and keep track of them. But if I put money in my wallet, like for some reason my brain thinks, oh, I don't need to keep track of this as much. And it's, it's like if I have $100 in there, you know, at the end of the week when I do my budgeting, it's like, where's 80 of that dollars go? Like I had money here, now where is it? What did I spend it on? I'm not even sure because mm. my brain doesn't keep track of it. As, as much so is there a perception versus reality issue there for some people of uh, i perceive that it's going to cost that all of these things together cost this much like i'm spending less but actually they're spending more than they had intended to yeah yeah most certainly and people will always overestimate their ability hmm. in, in general than uh you know underestimate it so maybe test it test it out see if i if it'll work for me that way and if it does great and if it doesn't then maybe plan plan differently yeah well and honestly like i'd I'd say even if you have it in your head write something down real quick and just have like an idea of your monthly expenses and take a few yearly expenses with that and put it in there too so like one method i came up with uh, i don't use it myself but it's a good method for certain people is let's say you have one account one checking account what you want to do is you want to calculate your minimum monthly expenses or however much you want in there. So let's say your minimum monthly expenses. Let's say you want to just have enough for the month. You don't care about next month as much. You just want to be prepared for this month. So you want to calculate how much you expend per month on average you know, for your, your main necessary expenses. And you want to keep at least that amount of money in there at all times. And any above it, you can be over or you can spend. So let's say that you on a monthly basis spend $2,000. So in your checking account, you can't go below $2,000 because then you're going to your bill fund. But if you have above $2,000, you're fine. But how do I how do I estimate for things that aren't like, like rent is always the same and stuff like that. But what about for, say, a light bill, which, you know, during the winter is going to be much higher or say uh, gasoline or food like like in the Halloween time, I got to buy all the pumpkin spice. Like, how do I account for the fluctuations in in uh, variable cost. You can have a range. I mean, it, it it's it's gonna depend on each person, and you can just add. Say, I need more money for the the uh, summer, or sorry, I need more money for the winter because I have heating costs. I have to pay for oil, and so where it would be two thousand dollars usually, you know, you find out the oil bill is like a hundred dollars more. You know, so had an extra hundred dollars, so twenty one hundred is now your goal. Or if you want to get more complicated, say, if you have this history like to kind of look at, you could say, you know, I know I spend about this much t- uh, on heating in the winter. So during the summer, uh, I'm going to take that heating cost and divide it on a monthly basis. So this is my yearly heating cost. I'm going to divide it by 12. And now I know I need to put this. So you're putting away for the summer, preparing for the winter. So let's say your heating cost is like, say, $1,200 per year. Uh, and let's say it's four hundred dollars a month or something during those three months during the winter, or you know, what I'm trying to say it's some amount. That sounds like a lot of work. Is this so? Is this something like you have to always be constantly doing? 
no, it's more like you do it once and then it's done. Oh, so I just have to like set it up and then it just kind of, it does itself from there as long as I just follow whatever I said I would do at that point. Yeah. You could just spend like an hour just planning and just writing down all the expenses you have and just kind of looking at how much it costs. Mm. And then you make the plan and then you see how well that plan is working out uh, over time. So let's say that you have the plan, you're going according to it, but then you find that all of a sudden you're $500 under what you would anticipate. So let's say your goal is $2,000 in your checking account and now you have $1,500 at some point and you're like, how did that happen? Then you find out what bill it is and then you just stop spending a little bit of money or you raise your goal by that amount. So maybe you try to keep $2,500 because your oil cost is high that month. Can I pay one of the hookers to do this for me? Uh, yep. yep. Okay. Uh, if they double as accountants, yes. Okay. My hooker accountant uh, associates. <laughs> well, well, what if she's the bottom bitch? Is that her job, right? Is it? Is, I think so. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's what we'll say is that it's her job to manage all of this. So uh, an option is to hire somebody to do this for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what a lot of like celebrities do and people who have like lots of money. They will literally hire like an accountant to do all their bills. So the accountant will pay everything for them. And the accountant takes a slice of that pie and then they'll give you essentially a paycheck to spend. So don't worry about your bills or anything, but they'll give you like say a thousand dollars if you if you're a higher earner, probably like a thousand dollars a week and you can spend that on whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. But they take care of all that stuff for you and they're trying to save for the long term and all kind of stuff. And that's the way high income earners, especially celebrities, can avoid uh becoming that guy um what's his name the, the one that's in all the movies like bees uh the bees so how does i have no idea what you're talking about are you talking about jerry seinfeld no no he, <laughs> he, he's he's like the popular one that no one likes he was in that christian movie i mean people like him nicholas cage okay oh yeah so was that wicker man you were talking about yeah wicker man okay. yeah because he's never bought, seen it it's like there's this tour of some place and it's like that used to be Nicholas Cage's island right there. Uh, he's like extreme debt right now. Like mm-hmm. so much debt because he just spent all his money. So, it, I mean, it sounds like personal financing is kind of boring. Uh, it is kind of boring, but it makes things less stressful. Mm-hmm. And so the way you want to think about it, I think, is you want to save yourself stress in the future by doing a little bit of planning in the present. It's more about planning than anything because people have gone, like I see this a lot, especially when I was working at the coffee shop where there's a lot more like low income earners who are having a hard time uh, making their way in the world. Like they'll have periods where they're right, but then, you know, every month or two, they have these periods where they are just struggling for money and they don't know what they're supposed to do. Like, they have these bills they can't pay and they go through, like, the most stressful, like, uh, week or two of their life. And it's really hard to watch. And then some people, it happens on, like, say, a six-month basis. Every six months, they're like, I don't have any money. How am I going to do this? And some people, it's a yearly basis. Some people, it's like, a, you know, one or two years. So the idea is not so much that it's fun. I mean, for me, it's fun because that's how my brain is. But for I think for most people, it's just a way to save yourself future stress and from being homeless. Fair. So how does how does giving money away factor into this charity? Um, I know there's tenets about 
you're you're supposed to spend a, save a third, give away a third, and s- spend a third or something. Yeah, something like that. I mean, charity is also up to your individual preference. Uh, there's good arguments to give money away as charity, and one of the reasons. I mean, this is like a like a woo woo kind of reason a little bit, but I think it's accurate. A what kind of reason? Woo woo. What does that What's that mean? Like, uh, it's it's kind of like a uh, sappy or kind of like uh, have you heard of the secret? Wait, is this a real thing or did you just make this up? No, this is a real thing. Like, like uh, it's kind of like mystic kind of thing. Like, if you put good out into the world, it's oh, like okay. karma. It yeah. comes back to you. Okay. Kind of like the, one of those things, but they say that if you give money away. Like, that money will come back to you in greater amount. Mm-hmm. And some people try to say it's a, like a metaphysical thing. Like, it, it's just the law of nature. Like, nature will return to you when you give away in greater abundance. But I think there's more of a mentality thing there. Like, if you are giving money away and to, to charity or just to help people out, then a lot of times that will come back to you only because now how you're approaching the world is a bit different. Like, you're not living from, like, a mindset of scarcity, but you're living more from a mindset of abundance and you might be more willing to approach things in a more aggressive or a more apt uh, strategic or um, mindful way. Mm-hmm. I So the way that, that I personally handle, actually, I want to know you first. How do you handle charity giving money away? I don't give money away too much. Uh, I, I do from time to time, but it, it's like I at this point in my life, I'm not making enough to give money away. Some people would say, well, that means yeah, you really have to give money away because you want to make more money. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like this is cool. That, that's where I'm, I'm a little bit unclear. But uh, right now, I don't think I have the ability to give money away. Uh, if I had a lot more money, I'd probably donate some money. But for me, I complicate it myself with uh, questions about opportunity costs and whether the money will actually do good. So I, I wouldn't give – I myself don't give to, like, charity or – you know, uh, people begging on the side of the road, stuff like that. The way that I give money away is to people who are actively working and providing me a service. And I just pay them. I overpay for said service, especially if it's good service. So, for example, go to a restaurant. Uh, most people tip between 10 and 15 percent. Um, I usually tip 20 plus percent easy every single time. Because that person is working hard and they're working at a job. And I think that if they're providing me a direct service, I should be affording to them a little bit extra. And then I think that that will, that is, it's like giving money away, but it's not. It's because I don't have to give anything. Technically, I don't have to tip at all. But I think that it it provides to, to the world and to the service industry, which is, very very underpaid same with like hotels or or anything where i can tip money i can give extra money i'm going to try and and do a little bit extra and that's my method of giving money away so i can definitely say i'm on the same page as that because now that you say that that's what i do as well like when i go to any restaurant or getting kind of service like i say a haircut or anything like I, I tip very well, like usually 25 to 35%, mm-hmm. uh, unless they suck. Like sometimes they just suck. Like uh, I've got them waiters who uh, they don't catch on to anything. Like 
it, it's like you, you finish your drink and you try to like make signals to them to like refill it and they don't. Mm. And then this kind of, I don't know. But if the service is good, I usually tip pretty well. And if the service is great, I tip even, I tip even better. Uh, I also donate money to, or I don't know what it is exactly, but there's like a lot of apps out there which are free. And sometimes the apps are really good. And if the apps are really good and it's providing a great service to me, although it's free, I'll give them money. And for me, that's just because I want to encourage that kind of thing out there. Uh, I donated money to uh, Wiki a while ago. And I felt good about that. Uh, but then I stopped donating money to them because they sent too many emails after that about begging for more money. Mm-hmm. Like, which I thought was a little strange. Like, like okay, I gave you the first time, and now you're just using my past donation, just saying, we need money to survive. The internet needs to be free. It's like, guys, guys, just, just stop being so desperate. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't tip based on service. I would tip the same regardless of service. My repeat, uh, like going back to that same establishment, would be decided by the service. So if a person had shitty gave me shitty service, I would still tip them the same, but I would not return. Mm -hmm. And that would be the biggest difference for me. Like especially like with haircuts, like with restaurants, you know, you get a different server all the time, but like with. With haircuts, especially for me, I don't even go to a barber anymore because I just want my hair cut all the same length. So, like, I had just I can have my brother do that with a with a hair clipper versus paying twenty dollars and then tipping somebody on top of that. I would do that in the past, and then I'd be like, they didn't even like do a good job. They didn't even give a shit because it's such an easy thing. So why even bother going to to a place like that? I feel like uh, for for me at least, a barber is not something that is worth spending money on because I choose to have a very simple hairstyle, but a restaurant or, um, you know, delivery service of some sort, those are something that I can't do on my own as far as, uh, like I can't go to a restaurant and go and wait my own table. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Unless I go to a buffet. You know, I got a haircut once and it was, this was like kind of a Asian lady, and she didn't seem to speak very good English, which you know, which is fine. But uh, she's like, "Oh, so you want a haircut?" I'm like, "Yep." And she's like, "Okay, sit down." And then she just starts cutting my hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream, Nathan. Give me her name because I now found my barber. And, and she didn't, you know. She's like, at the end, she's like, "Oh, is that good?" I'm like. Uh, yeah, that's 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 good. She's very fast, very efficient. She didn't speak at all to me, really. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, so what's your name?" And I'm like, uh, "Nathan." Oh, what do you do? And this is like at the very end of the haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "Now you're now you're talking to." Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you were cute. She didn't like your hair before, but I she'll only talk to people with good hair. Th- that must be what it is. <laughs> but. She did a good haircut, so that that that's where it, so it tipped her pretty well. But you know, it, it was strange. In my mind, that's how that's how giving works best for me, as far as giving money away. Because it's not really in my mind giving money away; it's having people earn that money. People who are helping themselves, they're out there working, um, and I think that they deserve uh, a little bit extra for that. I think I think another thing with in terms of giving is giving people time, as well. Um, giving giving them like your time and you know parts of you. 
Um, it's like I've helped people out with rides a lot before. So if someone needs a ride to work or to some place, I help them out with that. Someone needs help with this, they need that. Uh, I've lent people money before. And I've done a lot of things to help people out in that kind of way. And they're not necessarily money related. I mean, maybe they effectively are because it's about, you know, getting money from the workplace for them. But, you know, it's about me giving them, you say, the hour of my day and giving that right to work at the right back and helping them, you know, move something. Like, what big issue with something is, uh, like, moving is getting this thing from place A to place B. And it's a big issue. And helping someone move is giving some charity in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think it extends beyond money as well. And I think most things extend beyond money. I think money is a way to encapsulate like the issues like into a very simple manner. I think that's what money does to a large extent. But I think part of budgeting and part of personal finance is looking past the money and seeing what it's actually doing for you, what the money is actually. So for me, the money is my future expenses, my current expenses, my current happiness, and it's a, say, a metaphor or a encapsulation of that thing. It's a, it's a conceptual tool to help you understand the present, future, and the the past. Absolutely. I think money money is a representation of time and how much is your time worth. I think you mentioned opportunity cost earlier, and I think that's a really good point that every minute that you're doing something, you're you're either being paid for it or not, but you could be being paid for it. You could be doing something for somebody that they would want to give you money for. So to me, it's is this thing that I'm doing worth the amount of money that I could be making doing a different thing? Why or why not? And for me, a lot of personal finance comes down to, to stuff like that is budgeting my time in a way that is this something that nobody else can do? Um, or is it quicker for me to do it than it would be for me to pay somebody to do it? And, you know, you had mentioned a cleaning service. To me, a cleaning service would become worth it when the amount of money that I make surpasses the amount of money per hour, surpasses the amount of money I would have to pay per hour for somebody to do that same task. Because mm-hmm. then it's worth more for me to be working because I'm making a surplus than to be doing that cleaning. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, one thing about money and being paid for things is I think there's an element where people will assume their own values onto what people do for money. And I, I think definitely there are people in rough spots and do things they normally wouldn't do for money. But I also think that we can't necessarily judge people for what they do for money. So like for cleaning example, some people find cleaning to be very degradating. Like it's a very lowly, menial task for them. And like if they were a cleaner, they would see themselves as very, say, uh, impoverished or you know bewhittled. But there's plenty of people who love cleaning out there, and they do that for money. And there's no reason to degrade someone who enjoys doing what their job is. Uh, other people, they degrade uh, car mechanics. You know, just call them like greasy slime balls and stuff like that. Or they would never work on their car because they can, you know, put self- themselves beneath that. And it's not so much that uh, people are degraded for what they do for money. Prostitutions, in that example, with hookers. But it's that, that that person found something that they're good at and can make money off of, and it's great that they found that. Uh, maybe not all the time, because I know like, there's issues, like say, with uh, prostitutes where they have extreme emotional issues and drug dependency issues, which they're trying to support through their lifestyle. But I don't think it's always right to degrade people for what they do for money. 
and to look down on anybody for what they do. That's a big issue with the fast food industry too. People see fast food workers and they think, man, I would never do that. That's just, just terrible. Well, some people enjoy the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, they get value from the job. I mean, let's not like look down on people because they do something you don't want, you don't want to do yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. And I think this is, this might end up going into a, a completely different episode because I have thoughts on that for sure. That if you have the, the capacity to do some, so there are certain tasks that are, are menial, let's say, uh, typing, uh, data into a spreadsheet, like not to say that it's, it's beneath anybody, but that it takes low levels of concentration and brain power to just like type in a number, enter number, enter number, enter over and over and over and over and over all day long. I think that that is a very low level task as far as your mental capacity goes, needing to, to actually focus on a thing or having a skill set to do said thing versus being a mechanic where you have to like know shit, you have to, to know what you're doing and you have to learn new things a lot of times about like, well, I've never worked on this type of car this is from a different country like let's figure out how all this works and i think that there's there's ways to shortchange yourself in what you choose to do for work if you have the capacity to handle like doing something much higher level than where you're at and i think that's where a lot of people come up with you know well i wouldn't i wouldn't put myself down to doing fast food not that it's a not that it's like a, a useless thing or that it's an awful thing, but that they can, they have the mental capacity to handle a lot more things all at once. I mean, there is, so I wouldn't say that people are wrong in their assertion of those things. So in regard to themselves, but to project that onto other people mm-hmm. is kind of assuming that your own values are what the other person's values are. Mm-hmm. Like that, that person is putting themselves beneath themselves for doing something which is menial mm-hmm. where maybe they're not maybe they have a goal which is separate than what you your, your goal mm-hmm. is or maybe they're working towards that goal of doing something more fulfilling for themselves or maybe they don't care about that like say i think a good example is uh when i was working in the coffee shop there was a lot of mothers there and the mothers were working part-time and their whole thing was being with their family so they just needed a little extra money because their husband made most of the money, but they just needed a little extra money for spend and you know for the kids and stuff. And the whole goal of their work there is just to make some money, doing something easy, something doesn't not too hard. They have a set schedule and they get out of there and they can spend the day with their kids. Mm-hmm. That's their goal, and that is completely fine because that you know they have a goal and doing what they need to achieve that goal. Some people, they want to just work so that they can just live and smoke some weed. That's their goal. Some people have greater goals where they want to have some sort of fulfillment with their work. Like doing something menial isn't good for them because they really strongly identify with what they do. Whereas other people, they don't care what they do. They just want to make some basic money, survive, and then go home and watch Netflix. Like they don't aspire to anything higher of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think people who have that personality, they assume everyone is like them, like like that per- this person's not living up to their, their expectations or their uh, aspirations. This person had dreams and they killed those dreams. Not everyone has dreams. Some people, their dream is just to you know hang out, chill, just live, you know, enjoy the moment. Maybe they get a shitty job or, or well, I'd consider a shitty job. 
because it's not fulfilling to me, but maybe they do that because they just want to live. It's not a big issue. Or maybe they push themselves through college or some sort of thing, and this is what the best bang for their buck is. Maybe it sucks for them, but they're doing it because their goal is to fund their college fully. Mm-hmm. And this fits their schedule because, you know, not everything can fit between the, like a hectic schedule when you're going to college. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the issue is people project their own values into other people, assuming that what their priorities and what their goals are like are the same as theirs. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, for some people, that it could be fulfilling to have um, have jobs that other people wouldn't find fulfilling. Like there are some people who would find managing uh, 100 people in a power plant to be a super fulfilling job. And other people who are like, that would not be at all. I would never want to do that. And then some people are like, I want to uh, run a cash register uh, at a grocery store. Like that would be, that would be really fun to me and meeting people and, and all of that. And that could be fulfilling in a, in the same way that somebody else managing people could be fulfilling. That I guess, I guess there are different types of people who can find different types of work fulfilling. And that, like you said earlier, it doesn't always come down to money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not everything comes down to money, and that, that that's the one thing about personal finance that people really need to like encapsulate understand. The issue with a lot of personal finance forums is they talk about like people ask questions like, you know, what should I do? And the answers people will give to any like dilemma is what will make that person the most amount of money, mm-hmm. and that's not always the answer. The answer is depending upon your own values and what you want. What are your goals? If your goal is to spend lots of time with your family and help raise them, then maybe a part-time job where you're not making too much money, but enough to you know support the extremities of the family, maybe that's what you do, because that's what gives you the most amount of value in your life. Mm. I mean, I, I think spending time with your children, for say most people, is more valuable than working yourself to death. I mean, many people make that choice, and that's not a wrong choice to make. It all depends on what you want. And you have to know what you want in order to go after it. Mm. So I know what, uh, just for example, like we do this podcast and we don't make money on this podcast. I actually spend money every single month on this podcast. So it, to, there's definitely something there where this, could this be a money-making venture in the future at some point? Maybe. But is that the goal? No. So I think that that, or at least for me, no. So I think that that comes back to what you've pretty much said the entire time we're talking about personal finance, and that's what's your goal, and that that's what you should be aiming for. You want savings? Well, what's your goal with the savings? Let's get to that. You want to live a certain lifestyle? What's your goal with that lifestyle? Your job, everything. It all comes back to what's your goal. And if it's not hookers and blow, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Very, very true. Why'd I even go to college if I'm not going to get hookers and blow? I think your idea was to go to college, increase your income by a large margin, and then you'd gain access to greater amounts of hookers and blow, or mm-hmm. higher quality hookers and blow. Mm-hmm. Well, the quality of the hooker, okay, which is more important in personal finance? And this will be the closing argument here. The quality of the hookers or the quality of the blow? Well... So this is where it gets confusing because there's an interaction there. It's like the quality of the blow, like if it's really fine quality blow, it will increase the quality of the hooker substantially. Like if you have 
or let's put it this way. So let's say that you have a, we call it a dime ball. Okay, yeah. A dime ball? No. <laughs> let's say you have a dime ball. So blow. you're thinking either a dime bag or an eight ball. Uh, let's say you have an eight ball of flow. Okay. And, you know, it's it's low quality blow. So mm-hmm. that low-quality blow might only increase the hookers by, say, 10%, mm-hmm. right? But if you have some super pure, fine stuff, it will increase the hookers by 65%. Okay. So 69%, got it. 69%. And that quality increase is very important because it, it can make a big difference. But you have to ask yourself how expensive the hooker is and how much of that quality increase will like matter ultimately. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I think I rate hookers are on a one to ten scale, uh, a five being average and a one being below average. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a very normal scale, Nathan. Why'd you make it sound so weird? You're like, here's this novel idea I got. One to ten. <laughs> five is literally the mathematical average. But aren't aren't average hookers mean? Are they? That's a math joke. Oh, oh. So, uh, well, I, I think, you know, low quality blow, you could die from like, maybe it's cut with like awful Ajax or some shit. Like diet red, blue. Yeah, exactly. But low quality, like really cheap hookers, you could die from too. Uh, you could get diseases or they could try and murder you. What kind of diseases? Like um, STIs? Just like, yes. Wait, why are you being so weird right now? Like, obviously, yes. <laughs> no, you're going to get diabetes. And scoliosis. Apparently, there's some sort of cancer in Tasmanian devils, which is transmitted, like, from devil to devil. Like, it, it's going from, like, individual to individual. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's contagious. I'm waiting for the punchline. Contagious cancer. That's crazy. That is. That's wildly crazy. Let's hope you can't get cancer from hookers because that would be really bad. Absolutely it would. So you're saying, so would mid-level hookers and mid-level blow be the best bet? I personally would say always go for high-end drugs that you want. Always start with high-end drugs and then whatever you have left over, you can spend on whatever other extracurriculars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you could also go for like some uh, blow and E. Uh, what's what's that called? Like uh, high rolling or something. Okay. Yeah. But I, I've heard like E makes everything just like so much better, like like sexually, and so I think that might help to increase the quality of things even more. Because then it doesn't even matter how good they are. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of how good the E is. Well, E a lot of times has cocaine in it, so ecstasy is Molly with cut with something else Mm. heroin cocaine whatever else aspirin sometimes yeah but i mean good e is usually cut with another hard drug but the point is it's not just straight molly it's molly with a kick um and a lot of times it is heroin and i i think that if you're gonna go with i think if you're i would avoid ecstasy myself i would rather just go with go with the straight drugs if you want to buy cocaine and molly buy them both and then you can take them in your own levels otherwise you're trusting somebody else's cut and maybe they you like a little less cocaine and you can't manage that yourself Mm -hmm. i think it's always better to try and manage your own finances your own drug intakes yourself 
than to have to outsource it to somebody else if possible. It's worth the time to go through and do it yourself. Yeah, like hand jobs. I mean, a hand job essentially is just masturbating if you do it to yourself. <laughs> Nate, you're being real fucking weird today. Yeah. <laughs> a hand job is masturbating. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Oh boy. Okay. So uh, where can where can people find us? At Twitter.com/slash/wntt1 or Facebook.com/slash/we-need-to-talk-show. We're also on a podcast network, aren't we? Absolutely, podcastnh.com. Check it out. There's tons of different podcasts. Anything you like to listen to, you can listen to there. Definitely, if you haven't yet, uh, we had AVC Pod on. Um, that's anything but credible. They're based out of St. Louis and really, 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 really funny. So go listen to a conspiracy theory. Listen to some dad jokes. Uh, it's wholesome, but it's also not at the same time. So I, I love those guys and highly suggest them highly entertaining and also we have a patreon so right now we need to make more money you can help us with that donate personal finance plan for it plan for giving us money it's a great idea uh and it you know it'll help the show continue to to grow and succeed and uh us to create some content like this and um until then you know we should uh have a conversation like we need to talk yeah we need to talk. Hey, Peppin. Yo, yo. Do you usually subscribe to entire podcasts, or do you look for specific topics? Well, I try using the search function on my podcast player on my phone. It doesn't work too well. I try using Google. Google, it's not really set up for it, so I honestly have trouble. Why don't you just use Listen Notes? Listen Notes? What's that? It's a search engine for podcasts that doesn't just search for the terms you're looking for in the title of the episode or the title of the podcast, but from inside the episode itself. Meaning if you're looking for a specific topic, you can find specific podcast episodes that are about that topic. You know, that sounds a lot easier than spending the hours and hours I have just trying to find exact right keywords to actually get it to bring up the episode. I mean, usually I just get like a million uh, how to start your own podcast articles. It's really annoying. So that sounds a lot better. Exactly. When you're looking for something to listen to, just go to listennotes.com, type in a topic you're interested in, and you'll get instant gratification, useful results. That's listennotes.com. Check it out now.